You're listening to Points Talk with the Travel Mom Squad, previously known as the Travel Hacking Mom Show. Follow the links in the show notes to stay up to date with what the Travel Mom Squad has been up to. Do you think that just because you live near a small airport that travel hacking won't work for you? Think again. In today's episode, we're taking a deep dive into positioning flights. Keep listening to hear all about how positioning flights are a powerful tool that could save you thousands of points and miles. Welcome to the Travel Hacking Mom Show. We are three moms who've discovered how to leverage credit card welcome offers to get hundreds of thousands of dollars in travel expenses for nearly free. We've used credit card points and miles to take vacations to places like Hawaii, Paris, Greece, the Maldives, Italy, and so much more. And the best part? We each still have an 800 plus credit score. Imagine being able to book a vacation without having to check your bank account. It's totally possible and we're here to show you how. Hey, I'm Alex. And I'm Pam, Alex's mom. And I'm Jess. We are travel hacking moms. In today's episode, we are covering positioning flights, what they are, why they're important, and how we use them to our advantage. So first, we're going to start at the very basic level and talk about what exactly a positioning flight is. So a positioning flight could be when you fly from a smaller airport to a hub airport for better award availability, or to save points and miles, because maybe the flights from the bigger airport have more award availability, or the points and miles are lower, and it offsets, you know, the difference in the cost to fly there. And so that's an example of when you might want to use a positioning flight. Another one is if there is a specific flight that you want to take that only flies out of a city, obviously you're going to need to position to that city. So some popular fifth freedom routes only fly out of certain hub cities. An example is I flew to Milan from JFK on Emirates. That's a fifth freedom flight. If you want to get to Milan on Emirates, you have to fly out of JFK. So I could go to the Emirates website and I could search from Houston to Milan and it's going to say, error, no flights available. So if I want to fly Emirates to Milan, got to do it out of JFK. I could fly to Manchester from Houston on Singapore Airlines. That's another Fifth Freedom route. So Alex could not fly to Manchester from Salt Lake City. But if she came and met me in Houston, we could both fly to Manchester from Houston on Singapore Airlines. So that's just a couple of examples. The airline you fly for your positioning flight doesn't have to be, and I think for most of us usually isn't, the same airline that you're flying to your main destination. So when I flew to Milan from JFK, I actually flew JetBlue to get from Houston to JFK. So I flew Houston to JFK on JetBlue, and then I flew from JFK to Milan on Emirates. Southwest Airlines comes in really handy with positioning flights because even though they don't have a ton of international destinations, you can use something like your companion pass to position yourself within the U.S. to a city they do fly to and then fly from that city abroad to a destination that maybe they don't fly to. So those are just a couple of examples. The bottom line is that we use positioning flights to save points and miles because you can often find a better deal or more award availability out of those major hubs than you can from some of the smaller airports. 
you know what I find interesting is that I live near a big airport. I live near Denver International. And you would think that I would find so many great um, award redemptions from there. And that's, I wouldn't have to position, but I position probably 80% of the time just because I can find a better deal out. If I go to Chicago or I go to San Francisco or I go to New York City. And so I'm positioned not because I live near a small airport, but just because I can find a better deal. And it's huge in what I do. I, like I said, probably 80% of the time I'm positioning for a better deal. I totally agree. And I find myself doing the same thing. And I'm in Houston. So obviously a pretty large hub for international travel. I don't have to position as much if I'm going to South America, Mexico, the Caribbean. I don't have, although I did have to position, I did have to position when I went to St. Kitts. but. A lot of I feel like especially if you're trying to find business class, a lot of those business class deals that pop up are like LAX to Sydney, LAX to Tokyo, Chicago to Rome. You know, like they are out of a few select hubs. And so I also find myself positioning a lot of the time. I so my hub or my airport is Salt Lake. It's a Delta hub. They're not a ton. It's it's a smaller for an international airport, it's maybe it's well, it's quite a bit smaller than like an LAX or a JFK. So my options are very limited. And I have flown out of Salt Lake internationally one time that I didn't have to position. And that's also too because I'm trying to fly business class. I think if you're okay doing economy, then positioning, you might not have to do it as often. There's still sometimes where you're going to find better deals if you position even in economy, but business class especially. I've only flown out of Salt Lake once and not had to position. And that's because they have a nice flight from Salt Lake to Amsterdam on KLM. And that is, I'm going to try to find more of that flight because it is really nice to not have to position. I get jealous of you, especially Jess, because you have such a major hub flying out of Houston. And I'm like, oh, what would this be like to just wake up and head to the airport? When I did it, I thought, wow, this is what Jess gets to do sometimes. This is so nice. And I will say, though, I also I agree with you about it making a lot of sense when you're trying to fly business class, because a lot of times if you're flying economy, you know, you have to figure out the points and miles that you're spending to take that positioning flight. And so you have to do the math and see, okay, if I fly economy and I have a layover or if I can fly direct economy and it's X amount of miles or I can position, maybe I'll get a better, maybe I'll get a better deal. But if you add in the miles that you're spending to get to that second destiny, you know, your, your positioning flight, is it actually working out to be a better deal? There tends to be a ton more miles required for business class. so. You know, trying to fly business class out of a smaller non-hub airport might be a difference of like 100,000 miles, you know, whereas with economy, it's not going to be as big of a difference. So you always got to kind of do the math. Um, but Alex is going to tell us some of her positioning flight tips. So why don't you? Yeah, well, and you guys chime in too, because I want to hear what you have to say about these things. But first of all, 
let's talk about how much time you should leave between your flight. So between your positioning flight from your home airport to the bigger airport hub, how much time do you need there? Because the tricky thing is, is oftentimes, you know, you're flying different airlines. It's not one connected itinerary. So if you miss that main flight, then you're out of luck. Like the airline has no obligation to get you on the next flight because your itinerary didn't work out, didn't work out. You owe it. So there's not, it's not without risk, 100% not without risk. So I like to give myself at least four hours. But even I say that because I know I've done that. But now I think that that's not enough time. It kind of makes me a little nervous. So I would prefer like five hours at a minimum between my flights. So if there is a delay, then I have enough time to hopefully make that up. There's enough buffer where I will have time to get to the airport and make my next flight. What about the two of you? Well, I have always done about the same thing, four or five hours. But I have had some scary situations where I've kind of rethought that. Um, I'm kind of almost in the camp now of trying to get somewhere the night before and then staying in an a airport hotel with points and then knowing for sure that I've got that. Because when I travel internationally, it's usually business class. I do not want to miss that business class seat. I do not want to have to end up going on economy when I was planning on business. So I don't know. I've just been spooked enough that I'm kind of heading towards the camp of getting there the night before. And and Jess actually, her hours, she'll get there. Hour. Jess, you'll get there like six, seven hours. I mean, you're there half a day usually. Yep. Yeah, I'm more comfortable with six. I actually have a what would you do question that fits in well here because I booked a positioning flight today. Because I remember that we were recording this episode and then I was like, oh, I have a flight I need to book. That's a positioning flight. So here's the situation. You know, I'm following Taylor Swift around Europe next summer. And so I am once again doing the JFK to Milan flight on Emirates because I'm going to see her in Milan. So I have to fly. I have to get from Houston to JFK. The only airline that flies directly from Houston to JFK is JetBlue. And so my Emirates flight leaves at 10.20 p.m. I find it hard to justify flying in the night before when a flight doesn't leave till 10.20 because then I'm, then I'm there like all day, you know. So the JetBlue flight lands at 4.11. Do you think I'm safe? 4.11 p.m. land at JFK. Emirates flight leaves at 10.20 p.m. You know what I would do and what I have started doing a couple times is, of course, the only one that gets there, you said, is JetBlue. Because I was going to say, I've started thinking about when I can to make a backup Southwest flight in case I can't, in case I can't get somewhere. I could book a backup Southwest flight that gets into LaGuardia and then like worst case scenario, I just have to get from LaGuardia to JFK. Um, but I'd rather do that than have, I mean, I could take another airline 
and have a layover and get into JFK, but that makes me that makes me more nervous. Like I'd rather have to transit between LaGuardia and JFK than rely on my flight and my layover flight both being on time. Yeah, I think that brings up a good point. I think when you're doing a positioning flight, you got to do a direct flight because it's just too many things that could go wrong. Just just do a direct flight. Otherwise, you're just kind of asking for things to go wrong or increasing the odds that something could go wrong. So what time does the other JetBlue flight leave that day? Or is there just that one? There's only one. There's one direct JetBlue flight. I would do it and then I would do a backup to LaGuardia. Okay. And yeah, because I mean... I, I say that like I wouldn't, but I don't. I would be really stressed if I had to figure out how to get to, if my original plan didn't work out and had to get to JFK from LaGuardia. But I mean, it, you'd just take an Uber, it'd be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the thing is like, not only do I not want to miss my Emirates business class seat, I don't want to miss Taylor. I am flying in, I'm not flying in the day of the concert. Yeah. So, I mean, even if I couldn't leave till the next day, I would still make it. But, but the, and this is in the you know. summer too, right? So you shouldn't have any weather problem. Yeah, that's my worry is that like it's in the summer, it's New York. There were tons of crazy weather events that affected flights this summer in New York. Yeah, which is weird though, because normally you're like, oh, weather delays. That's, I'm going to be okay. That's usually in the winter, but you just, yeah, you never know. But that's the, that's the good thing about having points and miles though, because honestly, that more, you know, if I wake up that morning, to JetBlue system outage, I'll just use miles to fly Southwest or miles to fly United. Yeah. You know, it's not the end of the world. And so I'm with you, though. I I feel like I do not want to go and stay the night when I have a flight that leaves that late. That's just kind of a waste. But I will say, like, kind of switching gears, how do you feel about when you're traveling with your family or more people with positioning, I feel like I maybe would travel the night before and stay in a hotel with kids because the idea of entertaining a bunch of kids at the airport for five to seven hours or whatever sounds kind of rough. So I would, what I would do if I was bringing my kids is I would maybe even fly in a couple days early and say, we're going to go do a couple things in New York before we go on our trip and then it's a little you know you're going to make your flight because you're there I feel like the stress of bringing kids along and something going wrong with all of the kids would just make it much more stressful yeah I agree 100% we've positioned a few times when we fly to Hawaii we'll position to the west coast and every time we stay the night because and we usually just stay the night at a an airport hotel, nothing fancy. Although the San, Fran San Francisco has a Grand Hyatt attached to it that is really, really nice. And so we actually stayed there on our last trip to Hawaii overnight. And that was like as good as it gets as far as staying overnight um, for a positioning flight. But yeah, when we position with Molly, we definitely stay overnight. Yeah. So in what other scenarios would you guys stay the night? So I did this when I flew to St. Kitts. I had to position to Miami and I could have flown the morning of, 
but it was only going to give me around 35 minutes in between flights. And there's only one flight to St. Kitts every day. So it's like if I miss my connection, I wouldn't be able to go until the next day. And that was way like that short of a connection was way too stressful for me. So I flew into my Miami and this was I did not have a kid with me. I was going I was meeting some friends in Miami. So I flew into Miami the night before I stayed at the Hyatt Place Miami airport and then I just got up and flew the next day. And that is a scenario where I think I did the math and I think it would have actually been fewer miles for me to just go all in one day. And obviously I spent the points on the Hyatt hotel room. But in that scenario, it was worth it for peace of mind for me to spend a little bit more of my points and not have to stress about a 35 minute international layover. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's a really good time to to do a positioning flight. So let's talk a little bit about what happens with checked bags. I feel like people ask us this question quite a bit. If I check my bags and I am positioning flight, what happens? I will tell you that is why I do not check bags is because it's just another layer and another thing to stress about. I also don't check bags because I worry about them getting lost and my mom has experienced that when I've been on trips with her. And so I, I don't want to go down that road. So I just keep my bag with me. But if you do want to check your bag, you are going to have to go get your bag from baggage claim and recheck in. And so that's just you're going to have to account and add more time for that. I just feel like if a flight's delayed, I mean, I think we've all had that time where you get on the plane and you sit on the tarmac for forever. And you're going a little bit insane. And so the idea of having something like that happen and then having to go rush to baggage claim, get my bag, recheck in, it just is too much for me. So I don't want to deal with that. But if somebody wants to deal with, wants to be able to check their bag, definitely give yourself a little more extra buffer time or come in the night before. What do you guys think? Oh, I completely agree. You know, I just got back from a trip and I was like so amazed at the amount of baggage that some people had. And I thought that was me in my 20s and 30s when I traveled. It's like, I've got to have an outfit for everything. And I've got, you know, a huge big bag and then a medium bag. And I'm like, there's no way, you know, when you're trying to position yourself, you're trying to make connections. If you're traveling on trains, you learn really quick that you can get by with a lot less. And so I'm I'm really in the carry-on camp. I never, ever thought that I would say that, but it can make traveling way easier. And yeah, and, I, and I've had multiple now experiences of losing bags. So I suggest you do carry-on and then you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I am also 100% team carry-on. The only issue is my husband is not. And so when we travel together, he has to check a bag. And he's like, he's like, my clothes are bigger. He's like, I'm six feet tall. My clothes are bigger than yours. My shoes are bigger than yours. And so, Ted, what are you bringing in? Why is Ted bringing in so much stuff? When we went to Milan, he checked a bag on JetBlue and then 
we had to, so we had to stand in line in Houston to check the bag. And then we landed at JFK and we had to go to baggage claim and get his bag. And then we had to go back through security. And then we had to go back to the Emirates counter. It was a whole thing. If I had been by myself, I would not have done that. I just got back from 10 days in Australia. I did not check a bag. I carried on my bag for all of my flights in Australia. So when there's a will, there's a way, but there's just not a will with him. So I have to just choose my battles. <laughs> um, well, maybe it's good because then you could be the one in this podcast episode to talk about what it's like to bring a bag. But I will say, too, even if you don't check a bag, there's often times where you still have to go through security again. Not all the time. It depends on the airport where you're flying in, where you're flying out of. But I've flown into Chicago and I've had to, you know, go to a different terminal and you actually have to like leave the airport, take a bus. It's I think it's a huge pain. But and then you have to go through security again. So you might still have to go through security when you're positioning, even if you're not checking a bag. But you won't have to go check your bag at the ticket counter, which is huge. Yeah. And usually coming if you're coming home. Like, for example, we flew from Sydney to LAX, and then I had to fly from LAX back to Houston on a different airline. And when you're coming back internationally, you have to go through, like, customs and immigration and all that. And then that forces you – you, like, have to go back through security no matter what when you come back internationally. So I had – I didn't check a bag, but I still had to go through my global entry thing. And then that routed me out. And then I had to go back through security. And so, yeah, that's something to keep in mind, too. Okay. So, Mom, why don't you tell us about positioning on the other end of things? You don't always have to position from the U.S. So give us some examples of when you've done that or when we've done that because I've done it with you. Yeah. I've done it a lot more, I'd say, in the last couple of years where maybe it's hard for me to find a flight from any major city in the United States, say if I'm going to Rome or I'm going into, you know, going into any city, um, Amsterdam, anything, and I just can't find a good deal. So sometimes it works out to do, I always call this reverse positioning. This is totally a Pam made up word. Pam likes to make up words. <laughs> and I, I reverse position. So I get myself into Europe or into Asia or somewhere. And from there, I take a cheap European carrier like Ryanair or EasyJet to where my real vacation is starting. So like Alex talked about us going on that, her one trip, her business class seat from Salt Lake City to Amsterdam. That wasn't where we were trying to get to. We were trying to get to Milan and so that we could go to Switzerland, Switzerland to the Villa Orsolina. And so we took that flight into Amsterdam. From there, we got, I believe it was an EasyJet um, airline. Those are really cheap. And that got us into Milan. And I've done that several times. I did that um, going to Croatia where I took an Air France flight over to Paris. And then I got on, um, actually, it ended up being another Air France flight, but they weren't joined. We bought them separately to get into Croatia. 
And one thing that I've often thought that I'd like to do is another really good thing, especially for business classes. Iberia has a really inexpensive flight that you can get into Spain on business class seats. I haven't done it, so I can't say how great it is. I don't think this is as good as some business classes. Um, but going from Iberia into Spain from, say, Boston, or there's some other um, cities that you can fly, and then Say, say you want to go to London, you want to go to Paris, and you're not finding good deals, and they're all expensive. 34K in business is pretty nice. I'd be willing to do that to Spain and then take that Ryanair, that EasyJet flight into the place that I really want to go to in Europe. So Pam's reverse positioning. <laughs> Again, that's only my term. But positioning outside of the United States is a great way to be able to, you know, get really good deals. I really like that one, too, because I find it worth it to do it so I can fly in business class and have that time to sleep on that flight over versus just booking an economy seat that maybe at the time is convenient and I don't have to do the reverse positioning things. But then I get to the destination and I'm so tired and jet lagged. So I really, I like reverse positioning even more than regular positioning. If it works out, like for this example, flying from Salt Lake to Amsterdam, I'm going to try to do that whenever I can because it's one, it's a little bit of a, it's a longer flight than if you're going from the East Coast that that's the only downsides I feel like sometimes of those flights is you get on the plane and you feel like you got to go right to sleep. And I like to enjoy the experience a little bit too. I want to watch a movie. I want to eat dinner and then go to sleep. And so I really liked doing that reverse positioning out of Salt Lake City and getting a little bit of a longer flight. So yeah, I'm a fan. That was one of my favorite flights. I, I loved that flight and I want to do that more often. Now for me, it means I have to position in the United States to Salt Lake, and then probably position once I get to Europe. But that was a great flight. And again, it's because we had plenty of time to enjoy the experience of business class, but also get sleep and be rested. We can call that Pam's double positioning. Oh, okay. <laughs> in the U.S., and then you also reverse position. That's called a Pam's double positioning flight. And we need to make some merch um, with all of Pam's little <laughs> phrases on One it. One other thing <laughs> I wanted to say is that we forgot to mention earlier is when you're thinking like, oh, I got to the, get to the airport that early. What in the world am I going to do for so long? The good news is with most of these business class flights, you should be getting lounge access. You can't usually go in seven hours early, but what is it usually like four hours or so? Three to four hours? Well, it technically is, but I have never had an issue with the business class lounges. I think that maybe like the Centurion Lounge and the Capital One Lounge are a little bit more strict, but I went to the Qantas Lounge at LAX for seven hours and they did not bat an eye. So I kind of feel like if, you, if you're a business class passenger, they're a little bit more lenient with yeah. it. So that definitely takes the sting out of being at the airport for so long. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you may be wondering, how do I know where to position myself to? So we're going to give you a few tips. First of all, you're just going to want to 
imagine the United States in your head. And so obviously, if you are flying to Europe, if that's your goal, then you're going to want to position somewhere on the East Coast. Some of the more popular options are JFK, Newark, Washington, D.C., Boston. Those are all really popular on the East Coast. I really like Chicago, too. I feel like that's been a good one for me. Yeah. Chicago is also really good for um, Europe, too. And I'm I'm positioning to Chicago, actually, when I fly to Tokyo. So Chicago is kind of good for either direction. Um, if you want to go to Hawaii or some Asian destinations, then you're probably going to want to go to the West Coast, like LAX or San Francisco are probably the two most popular on the West Coast. If you want to fly to South America, Mexico, the Caribbean, then something like Houston or Miami, it's probably going to be your best bet. You also want to think about airline alliances. So if you say you're flying on United or another Star Alliance partner, you're probably going to have the best luck out of United hubs. So San Francisco is the hub on the West Coast. Houston is a hub. Like Pam said, Denver is a hub. Chicago is a hub. Newark is a hub. Washington, D.C. is a hub. So you want to know what the alliances are and where those hub cities are. Those will kind of clue you into what's going to be your best option for positioning. There is a website that we really like. I know, Pam, you use it pretty frequently, that like connections website. And so you can you can just put in you know, where you're starting, where you're going to, or you can just put in the destination and you can see which cities fly nonstop to that destination. And so I find that website incredibly helpful when I'm trying to figure out where I want to position myself to. Yeah, I completely agree. And the website is, there's a free version. If you want the paid version, I think it's pretty cheap. Like you you can pay for a whole year and I don't remember how much it is, but I know it's not a ton. And I find it worth it to make it easier to figure out where should I even be looking. All right, Pam, I think you have a cautionary tale (laughs) for us about maybe a positioning flight gone wrong or potentially gone wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I have a couple for you. So one recent one is I was going to Europe. And I was positioning, I found a really good deal out of Calgary, Canada. And I was leaving from Denver and I, you know, I went to one, which normally you've never done that. Oh, before, no, no. Right? So it's not, it wasn't like, I'm gonna, this is my first shot. I'm going to go look at Calgary. It was because you found, you could not find anything in the U.S., right? So, yeah, I've never done Calgary before, but it showed up on, I think I was looking at a site called uh, Seats Arrow, and I was kind of looking at last minute availability because I suddenly had to go to London. And it went through Calgary, and um, it was starting in the morning. So I knew that I had to spend the night. You would think so. So I'm flying the the day before. I'm going to spend the night. You would think. This is a no-brainer. I'm going to make it. There's not a problem in the world. I don't know what happened to Denver Airport that night that I got there, though. Everything was delayed, 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 cancel, cancel, cancel. I was freaking out because I wasn't even sure if I was going to make it to Calgary for my early morning flight. 
And so that was really scary. Did everything right and still. So, I mean, the biggest thing is I just tried really hard to remain calm and I started looking at other flights, but everything was delayed. So it was one of those things that was really scary. I did get there. I got there very late, but it had my heart racing. There was another time when my husband and I were going to Dubai and it was on Emirates. It was his first um, business class seat. We were, it was, it's a really long flight from, we were uh, positioning to LAX. It's 19 hours, really long flight. Obviously, I wanted everything to go good. I wanted to be all on board with the whole travel hacking thing. I wanted to see what it was like. And we got word that the day before, we're flying out the next day in the morning, that they're having this freak snowstorm. They it was it was like just flurries. It's going to be crazy. It was nuts. What they even called it, I can't remember. But I was like, oh my goodness, this is not going to happen for us. We have got to get out of Denver, and we've got to get out of here now. And so that's where the beauty of points and miles comes in is that I could look and because weather was good that day, we just knew it was going to be terrible the day we were supposed to leave. So I was able to look, I could find a couple options to get us to LAX. We packed really quickly. I booked an airport hotel and we got to LAX. We were able to take that flight in, um, on Emirates to Dubai. And seriously, nobody got out of Denver that next day. So you really want to, when you have these positioning flights, to make sure that you kind of keep an eye on the weather. I think that if you're traveling in the winter, be really careful if you live somewhere where it snows because it, it can change really quickly. Definitely have a backup plan. Maybe definitely plan to go a day or two earlier. It's a lot of miles. It's worth a lot of money if you miss it. And so just be careful and plan accordingly. I think especially too, where it's like a bucket list trip where you're going somewhere like Dubai or when I went to the Maldives, we, we went and stayed the night the day before as well. We flew out of JFK. And so I, yeah, you want to have a backup plan, especially, especially if it's a bucket list trip, because that would be so sad for something to make it go terribly wrong. And sometimes, sometimes these business class flights are part of the bucket list trip. You know, and I've been really lucky. I think we've all been really lucky. I don't think any of us have ever not made a positioning flight. It's always knock on wood. Exactly. It's always worked out. But I'll tell you what, I've been nervous a few times. All right. Well, we hope this episode has helped you better understand positioning flights and how you can use them to your advantage for your next international or long haul flight. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to check out our course, Award Travel Academy, where we have an entire module all about booking award travel that includes positioning flights with step-by-step -step videos. You can learn more by visiting the link in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening to the Travel Hacking Mom Show. Make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button from wherever you're listening so you never miss an episode. Want to start jet setting even faster? Follow the links in the show notes to learn about everything we discussed in today's episode. And to stay connected and follow along, follow us on Instagram at Travel Hacking Mom. 
We can't wait to see where in the world points and miles take you.